Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, Genesis family. We're doing something a little bit different this morning, as you can tell. We've got our friend Justin Sapp here with us. Mm. And because Justin works at a church in Sierra Madre, he is unavailable on Sunday mornings. So it's actually Saturday morning, Mm. even though you are watching this Sunday morning. But this was too important of a conversation, I think, to put off or to have on a different day. I really wanted to have this conversation on Sunday with all of you here. And so welcome, Justin. Good to have you here. Hey, so good to be here. Uh, I've missed you guys. I was telling Sam, it feels like uh, being back home, even though we're meeting under these circumstances. So uh, it's good to see you all, uh, especially my dear friends, Brian and Alex. I know you guys are probably watching. So thank you so much for having me, church. Again, it's great having you here. Let's pause and let's pray as we get started. Mm -hmm. Father, we are grateful for the time that we have and the conversation we are able to have. And our prayer is that through these words, your spirit would bring life, Mm -hmm. that you would guide the conversation to be able to touch and have an effect on all those who will be listening and watching. Mm -hmm. Lord, grateful for the friendship with Justin, grateful to be able to step into difficult conversations, Lord, with your grace behind us. Thank you for this time, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been having a conversation regarding the tension of race for a few weeks now. Uh, A couple weeks back, I, I did a talk on Galatians 5 and the works of the flesh and one of the works of the flesh is factions and I want to start off reading this portion of Galatians 5 and it's Eugene Peterson's translation the message Mm. and it says it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time repetitive loveless cheap sex a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfying wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Powerful words, Mm -hmm. powerful words, Mm -hmm. and so timely for this season in our society. You know, Justin, I have to confess to you at the beginning, I was a little bit fearful Mm -hmm. 
of bringing you or just any person, a black person, into a conversation like this for it feeling like I was being disingenuous, mm -hmm. trying to come across as, see, I'm diverse, here's right. my friend, you right. know, and right. I don't want it to come across that way. Mm. If anything, I want it to come across as the opposite. Mm. I am here in a spirit of humility mm -hmm. to learn, mm. to recognize that my viewpoint is based on my experience. And if I think that my insightful understanding is all there is, then I am going to be limited. And so bringing someone else in who has a different perspective gives me the ability to grow and to mature. And I so appreciate what I've seen you say mm -hmm. on Instagram. If you're not following Justin, you should at SAP Stories, S-A-P-P -P Stories on Instagram and his Instagram TV. I love how nuanced you've been in dealing with this difficult subject of race and tension here in the United States mm -hmm. because it, it isn't an easy matter. No. You know, no. it's something that's difficult right. to talk about it. And in starting off, I just want to maybe bring some terms and bring clarity to the terms so that as the conversation goes on, we can have some clarity. And one is prejudice, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times racism and prejudice can be confused. Mm -hmm. I think we all prejudge mm -hmm. people in one way or another. If I were to go into, say, a soul food restaurant in L.A. and I saw an Asian in the kitchen, right? right? I might think Seoul Korea, but not Seoul food, right? right? right. And that's a prejudice. Uh -huh. That's something that I have that I see there. And I think we all have that in some form or another. Yeah. How does that differ, in your opinion, or does it, from racism? Hmm. That's, a, that's a big question. I think, well, prejudice is, um, and this is, you know, for those of you watching, we are, we're kind of having a, a conversation on the fly, so, um, which is really fun. So I'm excited about that. Prejudice in terms of prejudging can lie heavily on our preferences, you know, even in terms of how we, um, fall in love with a spouse or, you know, someone we're dating, you know, we, we all have deeply embedded preferences in us, you know, for food and culture and music and art and movies um, uh, and, and all kinds of things, you know. And so I think in terms of uh, our preferences as it relates to prejudice, the only thing that can pierce those things are just, it's really just experiential things, right? Um, that's why I think uh, it, it experiences in our life, whether it's just, just trying new things, um, open so many doors that just disallow us um, to prejudge. I think a big component of prejudging is demonization. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you don't know someone, it is so easy to point a really big finger and you get like a 360 down top view and you just begin to pinpoint everything that you see wrong with the dynamics at play. But what we see is that when we enter into relationship with people and we go past serving and we actually enter into a space of knowing, the human being can no longer sustain demonization. Mm. It's this funny trick that happens, right? Because mm. I've done this in my own life, man. I've I've had a certain perspective about someone and 
I have opinions about them from what I've heard, and all of a sudden I enter into a relationship with them, and I may not like everything they do, but I'm, I'm no longer able to demonize them, right? And I'm sure that's been the case for, for people getting to know me. And so I think um, prejudice uh, is, is, is deeply um, flawed when it comes up against relationship. Um, but racism is the belief that another race is better than another. And so those, those strands and those uh, belief systems and those, um, those uh, formations that are in us, they run so much more heavily, you know, deep and complex through our socioeconomic lenses and our, um, so, you know, just sociology and just, just everything in terms of the belief that one race is, is better than another. Um, and yeah, that there's many, many implications for, for racism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think the prejudice can develop into like a discrimination, right? Mm-hmm. That demonizing or sees something. And, and discrimination shows up when we make a preference, mm-hmm. right? I'm mm-hmm. discriminating from this to that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get an application for a job, mm-hmm. and the name of this one is Colleen, and the name of this one is Lakivia, mm-hmm. both amazing women in our church, right? But I know just by looking at that that Colleen's probably white, Lakivia's probably black. And if I choose Colleen just because of the name, I've discriminated, right? Yeah. And now our society has developed where those things can happen, mm-hmm. right? And, and we make those choices. And as you say, I choose this because I think it's better over this because I don't think it's as good. And then it starts to kind of take root into the decisions that are being made on a bigger level than just an individual Absolutely. level. Absolutely. And, and Recognizing, and some one of the things that we're hearing a lot right now is systematic racism mm-hmm. uh, or systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is the history of what has happened in the, uni- in the United States in the past with black people mm-hmm. relevant to the narrative that we're seeing today? Mm. Wow, that's such a big question. I... It's it's enormously relevant um, in terms of things of of systematic racism when we look at uh, the vicious history of of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's obviously so many other races and people groups who have been affected by white supremacy. But for the purposes of this discussion, looking at the African American uh, relationship to the white American relationship, you know, looking at slavery, transporting us to Jim Crow. Um, then we have redlining, then we have civil rights, uh, then we have uh, mass incarceration uh, of African Americans. And so it's kind of just been just one thing after another. Um, and now we're talking about you know police brutality. And so I think, yeah, systematic uh, racism is, um, it, it's a real thing, you know? I think... Um, we're at a point in this conversation where we can objectively as a, as an American people, as a church, start to look at things objectively and say, okay, like, you know, you're no longer my enemy. You're no longer my enemy, but we're we're looking at an unjust system that we need to all collectively move towards fixing, you know, and and move towards reshaping um, to make it a more free place um, for everyone. And I think that's why the, the specificity of the black relationship to the right relationship has so much weight in this country because it's been through that relationship that 
um, we have created a better America for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's always been because of those relationships, yeah. right? The journey of slavery to where we are now um, that has opened up doors um, to try and really uphold the idea of this country, which is that everyone is created equal and that we all have a right to freedom in some way. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the systematic uh, uh, racism that, that we have, it, it's, it's impacted, you know, I'm thinking about my own life personally. I live in a city called um, Sierra Madre. And, uh, you know, 40 years ago, it would have been illegal for me to be out past um, dark, you know, without notifying the police that I was even in the city. Um, and so that, that's, that's one, one small aspect. And so when your mind goes there and you start thinking about, well, what would that mean for, you know, our real estate opportunities in the city? What would that mean for uh, education and housing and where we got our groceries and, you know, how many hours, you know, a, a family member had to work? There are enormous implications of systematic racism and, and the impact it has on generation after generation after generation. So... Um, I think we are all witnessing uh, those generational effects, mm. you know, right before our eyes. Martin Luther King said um, that to reverse 400 years of oppression, you would have to have 400 years of equality, right? And so we are, we're not even at zero yet, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so we're not even at the, the point where we can start tilting the needle the other way. So it's going to be a very, very, very long road, but I personally am encouraged to see um, the conversations that we're having. Um, I am talking with people who I would have never thought who have, would have been on the side of, of justice and equality, stepping up in really brave ways, and it's been cool to see. I'm excited. You know, I, I really believe our best days are ahead of us, and it's a really, really good time to be a Christian, you know? I, I agree. I think yeah. the possibilities that are before us are amazing. We are going to look back at this time and, and see that it was a monumental pivot. Mm -hmm. you know. And for me, I want to move from a passive sympathy to an active, active empathy, mm, right? Where good. I'm no longer just like, oh, that's terrible, but that's like, I feel this and I want it to change mm. in, in a place that is more dynamic. Yeah. My Christian journey... My life in Christ has been one where something will come to my mind and I'll learn about it. You know, I came to faith and I wanted to study the Bible, and then there was a period of time where apologetics, I need to give an answer to every man for the reason of faith that was in me. And then I became a worship leader, and the importance wow. of worship was an important part of me. And then there was a, a deconstructing and a reconstructing of my faith. Mm -hmm. And even right now, there is a learning concerning this matter that. I am ashamed to admit I was just ignorant of. Mm -hmm. You know, all the things that you had mentioned, of course, slavery is one that we, oh, yeah, that's a terrible thing. But so many people think, well, you know, that's past, so let's just move on from here. But then you don't recognize how many things have been put in place. After the, you know, emancipation, there were so many people incarcerated and continued in slavery even after the emancipation, just because for little things, whole families were incarcerated so that the work could continue. <laughs> and if you haven't seen the documentary on Netflix, 13th, you need to. It's mm -hmm. just an amazing mm -hmm. representation of these things. Mm -hmm. Or the Jim Crow laws, like, 
I didn't know what that meant. Mm. You know, the desegregation and how that took place and how that would affect yeah. a society. The redlining, the FDR and the, you know, New Deal was a raw deal for the black community where they weren't allowed to get loans and buy houses. And I think how many of us, if our grandparents couldn't have bought a house, mm -hmm. it would have affected us, mm -hmm. right? And those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And that's the systemic part that we're talking about, right? And I'm, I'm ashamed that I didn't know about these things until, you know, it's been a few years, but why? Right? Why wouldn't I think that that would have a, a, an effect today? Mm -hmm. Why would I think, well, just get on with it. Hey, we're here now. Everything's good. No, there, there is a lot of things that have been put in place, uh, even the incarceration that you talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, the war on drugs and the three strikes you're out. Mm -hmm. The increase in the prison population has been over 500% since that time, mostly in black and minorities, mm -hmm. right? How many people are in prison still just because of marijuana and now it's considered an essential business? Right. You know, right. these kinds of things are just happening today that were present yes. in the past. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's it's important to recognize that history matters, mm -hmm. you know, in this mm -hmm. subject. Mm -hmm. And again, I feel just I don't know if the word's foolish, saddened that I haven't been as learned in this earlier. Yeah. And, and I think that's my hope. And I think even with what's happening today is there will be an awareness of the injustice that has happened so that we can change what needs to happen. Amen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. At, with that, though, timing is so important, yeah. right? Because I know you've heard it and we've seen it. It's all over Instagram and all the different things. Um, people are so upset, of course, of what happened to George Floyd and others. Mm -hmm. And then people are so upset at what's happening with the civil unrest and the rioting. Mm -hmm. And people saying, well, all lives matter. It's like, but right now, how important is timing right now in this season that we're in in this yeah. kind of tension yeah. i think timing is is awesome you know like i said you know i'm i'm so excited to be a christian in this space and time that we're in right now because i don't know how people are going through this journey without faith like i really don't you know especially when we look at coronavirus and now um, because of the murders of george floyd and brianna taylor and ahmaud arbery that um we're having this this discussion around race um, but I'm like, as a Christian, I'm like, guys, this is what the whole like New Testament is about. You know, I mean, when we look at Ephesians 2 and Acts, like no Jew or Gentile, like there's no more bridges. We're one. I'm like, this is what the whole point of this thing was. Hello. Like we're, it's not about we're one under the spirit, you know, and uh, excuse me. And uh, am I still good? Bill? Okay. And uh you know, so it, it's it's so confusing to me always how the church is like the last place to have these conversations mm -hmm. when we kind of have the secret codes, you know, of, of problem solving with with this conversation. Um, what was your first question again? I forget. This is the timing. Yeah, the timing, uh, yeah. How important is Yeah, that? so the timing, I think uh, there's just an opportunity 
for believers especially um, who have been engaged in this conversation and who have been brought to the table, you know, that they have had their, their hearts opened um, in a way that perhaps their hearts weren't open before, their minds open and perhaps their minds, uh, in a way their minds weren't open before. And so we've been on Instagram, we've been on Facebook, we've been, you know, watching with the news and you might be asking the question, okay, like I'm here, but what, you know, what am I supposed to do really? Um, and I think there, there's a shift that's happening uh, with with believers, with white believers, um, with believers across the board, because I'm still hearing a lot of, "Hey, um, hey, I'm I'm not racist. Like, you know, I am. I get that. I live in a place where you know everyone looks like me and thinks like me and votes like me. But hey, I'm not racist, you know. And that may be true. I would I would ask some questions about that. But I, I that may be true. But I think the shift that we're seeing in terms of timing is right now there's an opportunity to go from non-racist to anti-racist and realizing that if you are a Christian, the Christian faith is distinctly and uniquely anti-racist where it's not just enough to be like, Hey, you know, I'm not racist. Um, I'm just going to, but I'm going to be over here praying for you guys. It's like, no, the timing is to step up and be anti-racist, vehemently against racism and root it out, especially in our churches and in our Christian communities. That was the hope, man. That was like Jesus's whole hope. Like when he's getting ready to leave and ascend, all of his disciples are like, hey, cool. Like, you know, like everything was awesome. So are we going to do the political overthrow now? <laughs> and he's like, no, the whole hope is that you guys are one. That's the whole hope about this whole thing is that you guys are one body. And so um, there's an opportunity to not wait. Um, don't, don't don't wait, you know, 10 years and say, oh, man, I wish I would have stepped up. Yeah. You know, when the conversation has shifted so dramatically, I, I'm seeing this is why I'm so encouraged to be here, Sam, and, and that you're, you're you're braving the way in, in, in this regard, because I'm seeing so many churches and pastors who are turning away from the conversation, um, who are scared to death to have it, um, who are placating to their base. And frankly, their their Sunday services looks more like a political rally than it does a place for the people of God. Um, and all I can think is that they are just putting themselves on a fast track towards irrelevance. Because the conversation is here, and the conversation is increasing, and we have an answer for that conversation. If you are not presenting a, a Christian biblical answer to the problems, then what are we even doing? Like, you can join a rodeo club, right? Like... So, um, so I'm encouraged by the timing of everything yeah. right now. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, there's such a difference between peacekeeping and making peace. Right, right? peacemakers are people who are active in the process as mm-hmm. opposed to passive mm-hmm. and just waiting for things or trying to keep the peace. Uh, I, I think that it's important to realize that those things that you mentioned. I mean, the idea of unity. Paul talked about unity more through mm-hmm. his epistles than he talked about salvation, mm-hmm. right, justification, mm-hmm. um, it was paramount, mm-hmm. you know, taking the factions that were there and saying, okay, you have to see yourselves differently now, right. and you have to live in that way that's right. differently. I am challenged mm. in a way that is exciting mm. and terrifying at the same time. You know, we have people in our community who are on different sides of the aisle, right? Mm. And, and the whole idea of timing here is, you know, it, there's a time to posture your point. 
and there's a time to listen to the other point. Yes. Right? Yes. I, I was sharing with you just before my mom passed away six months ago, right? And it was a very difficult time. I had no idea how it was going to affect me until it happened, right? And before I would see people, know people who lost loved ones, and I would feel for them, all that, I'm, I'm sorry, but when it happened to me, it meant more. Mm. And I have such a great community here, Genesis and friends, that were so empathetic and embraced me and supported me. No one came up to me and said, you know, well, all moms matter, right? Yeah. Or all moms are going to yeah. die or all people are going to suffer these things. That there was a time for people to show concern, care for what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And even though people were going through things, they supported me in what I was going through because it was important. Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's important to recognize that's happening here. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are terrible things happening, yes, right? Yes. The rioting, the looting. Of course, there are great policemen. Yes, Some come yes. to our church here at Genesis. Mm -hmm. But here's an opportunity to get into a conversation that is paramount, that has historically been avoided yeah. and buried, and bring it up and make a change in it yes. in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. Because we do recognize that all people are created in God's image. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned earlier the, you know, Constitution says that we've been given these inalienable rights. Mm -hmm. You know, all men are created equal. Mm -hmm. When that was written, <laughs> it didn't include a black men, right. Native Americans, mm -hmm. or women. That's right. Right? We have redeemed that. Mm -hmm. We have changed that and we can continue mm -hmm. changing those yes. things. Yes. One of the things you shared on one of your Instagram mm -hmm. uh, stories was the need to be heard in relationships. Mm -hmm. And you kind of touched on it a little bit ago, mm -hmm. how you can't demonize someone you know. Mm -hmm. How important is it to be heard and to listen at this time? Yeah, I think it's... Uh that's everything. I know that you have a lot of artists in your church, and um, to me, nothing heals faster than shared stories, you know? And I think um, that should be the goal, is to to listen to shared stories. And if you are finding your, yourself on a, a new part of this journey in terms of, hey, I've never thought about racism, um, but I can see the hurt, I can see the pain, I can see the challenges, uh, what can I do next? I would even encourage your first step to be is, whose story can I listen to? Um, you know, whether that's through documentary film or, you know, even calling a friend saying, hey, man, can I, can I grab some coffee with you and just, can I just hear about your experience? Um, you know, I, I, I've heard it said even uh, with, with some people who have reached out to me, well, hey, I have a black friend, you know, I have a brown friend. And I posed them with the question of, well, has that black or brown friend shared with you what their experience has been like in this country? Um, and if they haven't, you don't have a black or brown friend. Okay, you have someone who you think is your friend. You know, um, they're talking to other people about those things. And so, in terms of um, listening, why that is so important is because um, number one, it's really hard. You know, um, you know, there's not a lot of good listeners out there. Really, it's a, it's a, it's not so easy. But number two, it's so uh, congruent with the idea of reconciliation. 
And if we are to be Christians, um, we are first and foremost reconcilers when it comes to this. There are many advocates doing incredible work. Um, I'm sure you have them in your church. Um, I have uh, one in my home, you know, my wife, uh, incredible advocate who I am so glad um, she's on my side, you know, advocating for the needs of black people and brown people. Um, advocates are, you know, are in our government, they're in our churches, they move the ball forward, um, they create systematic change. Um, they bring the conversation to the table in, in, a, in a powerful way where you can't ignore it. Um, but what I'm also been noticing is that there's a huge absence of reconcilers, people who are who are not just about uh, their agenda and getting their agenda forced through. Um, but a reconciler is not so much policy focused and programmatic focused as we are people focused, okay. where it's like, I care about my agenda, but I also care about your agenda, you know, and, and how can both of our agendas move forward? And, and meet in a way where we can both be at the table having a meal together. That's the goal. We want to, you know, and Jesus, Jesus ate with people that, um, uh, Jesus would eat with people that when people would see Jesus eating with them, they would become offended. Can you imagine? Like being at dinner with someone, someone walking by, and they just are so enraged by the fact that you would have dinner with someone like that. Jesus did this all the time. That, that's, and he was trying to articulate uh, this, this vision of us. That's the point. We want to all get to that table, you know? Um, and so, uh, to be a reconciler, um, I'm thinking about my needs, absolutely, but I'm also thinking about your needs. And when I'm thinking about your needs, that, that compels me to want to listen for a moment and to realize that, hey, uh, I don't know everything because I don't know you. And I need to know your story first, um, and, and know how I can help, you know, fill the gaps and how we can, you know, come alongside and what is it that you want and what is it that you're afraid of and, and and what are you pushing towards? Um, that that's how we we create a a a reconciliatory world where God would look down and say, "Man, that's exactly what I had in mind." Mm-hmm. Look at them bearing each other's burdens together. Mm-hmm. You know that that's what the church is, and so um, and it it really can only happen through listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. I mean, fear is one of those things that will keep us from listening. Right? We're afraid of what we don't know. <laughs> And so fear is the thing that kind of blinds us to these things. Mm-hmm. Years ago when you spoke at Genesis, you said mm-hmm. something that has been haunting my imagination. Oh, oh no. you, you said, imagine a circle of compassion yeah. and imagine no one outside of that circle. Mm-hmm. right? And having that mentality where you're recognizing and having compassion towards someone with a different view than yours mm-hmm enables you to bring that spirit of reconciliation to there because I know you're afraid that if this way of life starts to become paramount, you might lose your way of life, right? right. And and so what are you afraid of? Let's talk about that because I care about how you feel, right? And and so the posturing that we see, especially on social media, I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. so many things I could say, right? It's... It's a one-way conversation. Yeah. I'm going to posture and throw all these arguments and mm. facts into this bowl mm-hmm. and force you to eat it. Yes. Right? Without listening, right. without digesting right. some of the concerns right. someone else has. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we will never change or 
grow in this in the right direction if we don't have that desire to reconcile. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and your first comment about fear, you know, uh, fear is interesting because we're kind of experiencing this even in our own church, realizing that people don't fear change, they fear loss, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, change is really not, it's really not that big a deal when you think about it. We do so many things throughout our day. We're constantly changing. Our bodies are changing. Our lives are changing. Our families are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're really afraid of is is the idea that we're going to be losing something. Um, and so uh, I think a lot of people on the online platforms, they're just miscategorizing things and just, frankly, just saying them wrong, you know, mm-hmm. um, because they're positioning things, uh, you know, for example, defund the police. Like, okay, what a stupid way to say something, right? Like, and what I mean by that is, is the police overfunded in certain cities? Absolutely. But what you're really trying to say is maybe we can fund other organizations more, right? Um, So we're not taking away something, but we're also, we can add something, right? Let's make something better. Make something better and and improve it. Um, So, so I think people, uh, you know, have a fear of, of loss, you know, and, and, and that fuels a lot of tired arguments that we hear of, you know, we need to return back to, you know, God's country and real America. And I'm always like, well, what, which, yeah. which America was it? The sixties America? Was it Jim yeah. Crow America? Was it before the women could vote? Was it before, yeah. yeah. Was, which, was it? which America exactly are we talking about? And it's the idea of that people are taking something from me mm-hmm. and I want to prevent people from taking things from me. Yeah. Um, and we know it's a, uh, it's just a false belief system. That's not yeah. real, you know? And again, clarity in words. If you hear someone panting, it was Gil running to get batteries. My, <laughs> uh, Mike was going dead. Mm-hmm. Um, we had talked about uh, fear. We talked about how it plays a role. We, we talked about the one-way posturing uh, in conversation. And it's important, again, to recognize that the, the purpose, the goal is to move us forward, right? The goal isn't to prove ourselves right. It's the same in relationships, right? If I've got a relationship and I'm not hearing my spouse, I'm not giving her voice room in my thoughts to process, then my relationship is going to become shallow. It's Mm -hmm. going to become basically me, Mm -hmm. and I won't have that input. And so it's so important to be able to have the dynamics of that Mm -hmm. relationship and I love what you said about fear isn't so much change, but it's loss, mm-hmm. right? Because fear makes our world smaller. We're not willing to give something if yeah. we feel yeah. we're going to lose something. Yeah. And so That's it's right. important to That's be right. able to kind of step into that. Yeah. Um, can you tell me some things that maybe have aggravated you that you hear people say? Mm. I mean, you kind of mentioned earlier, just like, well, I have a black friend, right? Um, yeah. But are there any things that you're hearing, a conversation maybe that's kind of continuing to come up that kind of s- strikes at you? Um, I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind uh, is, I think it's when pastors, and, I, and I, I think it's when pastors who are leading churches are afraid of having the conversation you know we are we are people and we are 
flawed human beings. We are cracked vessels. Um, I have biases in me. I have prejudice in me. I have white supremacy in me, you know, because I've been formed by this country like everyone else. Mm. But I think uh, what aggravates me is when so-called leaders and pastors are trying to uh, move, move past this conversation without having it. Because I think you're doing a disservice to our faith and a disservice to our gospel. Um, and you're, you're, it's that, that, that really angers me, you know, that really angers me because it, it just feels so disingenuous. You know, there's, there's no problem with approaching a conversation with ignorance and humility and a desire to learn, um, like what we're doing right now, you know, I'm learning from you and, and you're learning from me, but to presume that you have, you know, all the answers and to me that that is uh that is catastrophic and that that's been the legacy of um unfortunately a lot of evangelical churches in this country for many years yeah. um and that's why we don't ever get to have some some tangible uh problem solving um in in relation to this i think that that angers me it also frustrates me when i see churches that are so monolithic um especially in southern california because here we are in the you know second most diverse city you know I'm in LA County, um, you know in the world Los Angeles, and you wonder if we have a church where everyone looks like me and acts like me, is the gospel even alive there? I mean, mm -hmm. really, you know, like when yeah. you look at Ephesians two and like what what we're talking about, it's like I don't know. You know, I'm not willing to say it's not, but I'm willing to ask that question. Yeah, I wonder why is right. And so, right. obviously, you know, seeing your community and the diversity there, and obviously just the feeling that's there, um, it's beautiful. But yeah, the most aggravating part is is leaders who are misguiding, um, or who are misguiding people. Mm -hmm. that, that's very invigorating. Um, but when I hear you know a racist comment or um, uh, you know, seeing like a White Lives Matter protest or something mm -hmm. like that, those things are infuriating. Those things are more saddening, you mm -hmm. know, because I feel um, a deep sense of sadness and empathy for people who are racist, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was, I was saying the other day, it's like imagine what that person must feel every day, you know, the discomfort and the anxiety and the anger, how if something is not, filtered perfectly through your worldview, it leads to combativeness um, and, and, and deep fear. I'm like, imagine what that, what that person carries around with them every single day of their life. I'm saddened to know that people are under that much pain. You know, Frederick Douglass talked about <clears throat> slavery um, can corrode and harm the soul of the slave but it also corrodes and harms the soul of the slave master, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, to levels that we could probably never even imagine, right? What would that do to how you see people? Um, and so my heart breaks for those people because their lives are so small, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't get the expansiveness that the gospel offers of being able to see every single person in our world as a child of God, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's a small and sad life, you know? Yeah. For people that that's, uh, suffer from bigotry, that is so so good. I mean, I've always having the gospel be relational has always been so important, mm -hmm. and seeing 
in hearing you say that, it, it just echoes and just kind of reverberates in my soul. Um, there, there are so many things, gems, in the things that you just shared in that mm -hmm. book I shared with you. I read James Baldwin, Fire Next Time. Mm -hmm. One of those things he says, he's talking to his grandson, and he says, you know, they are celebrating 100 years of freedom, but they're celebrating it too soon. In other words, they will never really be free until they're free from this mm -hmm. that they're going through, you know, mm -hmm. that bias, that prejudice, that, mm -hmm. you know, feeling that they have to hold on to a way of life is, like you said, corroding them on the inside, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and not recognizing that, not sympathizing with that condition can cause more hostility instead of, like you said, developing the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a hard conversation mm -hmm. to step into when you don't know how to engage mm -hmm. when I, I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look racist. I don't want to mm -hmm. say something. Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation the other day with someone and I was talking uh, about the biases that we have and I am part Apache mm -hmm. and I said, Indian. And they said, oh, you mean a Native American? And I go, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, it's yeah. like, ah, oh, yeah. it, it grew up and it's like it came out and I felt like right. such a heel. It's right. like, yeah, of yeah. course, that's yes. what I meant. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah, uh -huh. yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah of course, I mean that, <laughs> but that's me. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's the fear of, of just stepping somewhere and being ridiculed or having some kind of lash back at you that will keep you from doing anything where I, I would rather be vulnerable, make the mistake, and gain the relationship, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and how important it is. Right. And if I'm not willing to step in and learn, then my view and my world will be so much smaller. Completely agree. You know? Completely One agree. of the things I read in that book that just struck me, I shared it with my wife, and he talks about his name is Baldwin, right? And he goes, but... That name came from my ancestor's slave owner. Mm -hmm. And the idea that the American black person has a very unique legacy mm -hmm. that is really founded on this country and now this culture, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Where I know we have some people who are from other countries yeah. and they're black and they bring with them their culture mm -hmm. but the american black person this is now their culture mm -hmm. yes. their names have been given to them for many of them you know and so you say oh my name's scotty i come from southern italy or mm -hmm. this well you know his name was baldwin because yes that's where his name came from right. and and to think of oh my gosh this person has been stripped away from so much and now they're planted here. How important is it for them to be made to feel at home here? Mm, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, how important it is that they understand that, yes, this is your culture. Yes. This is yeah. your place of right, residence right. and home that you can be proud of living here. Uh, to me, it's like, how can I make that happen? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that's an important thing to have. Yes. You know, yeah. in, in that area. Mm. How do we move forward? I think that's a great, great, great question. I think um, there's a couple words that come to mind. 
and uh, and all the things you said are, are, are so true. I think for me, it really goes back to um, opportunity. And, um, you know, I come from a proud black family, you know, who has just, who has beaten every single odd you could imagine, you know, and I don't think any of them would want the help from a white person. But what I think they do want is access to opportunities from a system that gives other people access to the same opportunities, you know? And so I liken it to being, um, when I was playing basketball in high school, I went to a predominantly a white high school and, uh, you know, we would go get ready for the basketball season. We had, uh, we had training shoes, you know, for, you know, the training camp. And then we'd have, you know, preseason shoes. Then we had postseason shoes. We had a a practice gym where we got to meet, you know, kind of one-on-one with a shooting coach and we had a weightlifting coach. Then we would go into the, you know, the big gym when we practice as a team and uh, it was comfortable. It was air conditioned. We had every single amenity um, we needed to make our team successful. And the byproduct was we were very successful. And so when we would play a team from a lower income area, um, we knew that there was nothing they could do that would be able to beat us. And the response that society hears in those moments is, well, that's because they just needed to work harder. You know, they should have, they should have shot more shots. They should, and, and we know immediately that, that that argument just rests on pudding, right? Mm-hmm. The reality is they don't have the access to the same opportunities that um, other people did. And so when we, ter- when we think in terms of where to go from here, um, aside from storytelling, aside from uh, creating churches that look more like heaven, um, it is to be vigilant and passionate about making sure that everyone has the same opportunities, that everyone can gain access to that same basketball court or that same table, so to speak, um, because it's only then when we can really get to a place of true equality and compassion. Mm. So good, such a good analogy. Mm. That's a great story. What high school? Uh, Glendora. I graduated Glendora. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Long I wasn't going to say you were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I thought so because I remember you going yeah. back there. That's funny that you know. Yeah. What's the high school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was there. I was there before uh-huh. we had electricity. But anyway, wow. um, no, I'm teasing. But yeah, it was a long time uh-huh. ago. But I think that's a great point. You know, we we can't talk our way out of what we have be way, behaved our way into. Right. Wow. We have to behave our way out of it. Mm. And that means yes, we have to yes. change That's the good. things That's that good. are happening absolutely. and not just Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, I, I love that. Yeah, it's not mine. Yeah, most people think that the 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 habit follows the heart, mm-hmm. meaning that, you know, if I just, if I believe enough and if I just hope enough and if I feel enough, then hopefully something will change. And, mm-hmm. you know, in reality, that's why nothing ever changes, right? Because things fizzle, emotions yeah. change, right? But if we put the habit before the heart, mm-hmm. um, we begin to become formed in new ways, right? It's yeah. kind of like reading your Bible where it's like, oh, man, first week, this is kind of frustrating. The second mm-hmm. week, it's like, oh, okay, it's a little better. Third week, okay, a little better. Fourth week, now I start craving it, right? Yeah. Because my habit has begun to form my heart. Yeah. You know, and so when we think about things of equality and injustice in relationship, what are the new habits, the new practices 
that we can put into our life, um, our daily liturgy, so to speak, mm -hmm. that can form our heart into one that looks more like Jesus. Hmm. What are some that for the average person in America, what are some things that come to your mm -hmm. mind of yeah. practices that could be done? Yeah, well, you know, you might be a leader out there or a pastor or, um, you know, you might run a business or whatever. And I think uh, what's, what, what's one thing that's coming to mind initially is a distinction between um, diversity and multiculturalism. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as Christians, what we desire is, is communities of, of multiculturalism and, in our workplaces and in our homes and in our, um, in, our, in our friend groups. And so what that looks like is seeing black, brown, female faces in high places, you know? And so a, a heart-forming habit would be to take an assessment and say, who are the leaders that are speaking into my life? You know, mm -hmm. who are the leaders that are speaking into my organization? Who are the people that have um, voting power and, you know, can change things? Do those people all look and sound like me? Um, if, if that is the case, I invite you to say, what would it look like to make a change in that group? An uncomfortable change, right? right. Maybe a change I don't want to make. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a change that's it's going to create some tension um, in my thinking. And it's, it's going to make me have to wrestle with some stuff. Um, when you start doing that, man, you're on the path to serious heart change. I love that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think of that even with the friends that I have that are followers of Christ mm -hmm. and how many aren't. Mm -hmm. right? How many people in my life are outside of this conversation that I can engage with? And why is my voice falling on deaf ears? It's because I'm not speaking the same language, right? And mm -hmm. I'm talking to the choir here, yes, yes. And, and I'm not talking to these people, and how much more so in just a, a cultural way, yes. developing those things. One of the things you shared in one of the Instagram stories was just who's at your table, right? Mm -hmm. Who are you sitting and eating with, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Inviting that person to come and yes. have dinner, taking yes. the step to befriend someone, actually yeah. befriend and get to know them and to eat with them and to yeah. talk with them. Yeah and allow that life to become integrated with yours. Yeah, yeah. And that that's how you break the system. Yes, yes. Because that's how you, that's, that's when you need the gospel, right? Right. Because, I mean, man, I mean, even this, this past week, we're doing some social distancing with people, and um, we were at this, you know, social distancing in the grass, and all these, you know, married couples were going around saying, uh, what made their relationships, you know, quote unquote weird, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, one couple was saying, uh, oh, you have, uh, we have like a, a Japanese sensei who's our tea teacher, and they're taking us through like 400 different ways to make tea. And, you know, and this other couple was like, oh, we lived in Alaska, and it was only light for three hours a day, and it was freezing, and we're living in our van. And, and before I could even speak, um, my friend looked over at me and goes, but yeah, you and your wife, you guys are really weird. And they're like, why? They're like, because you're Christians. I was like, oh, yeah, like that is that is so weird. You know, it, it's so weird and so countercultural to be a Christian. You know, it, it, it really is. I mean, we really like the Bible takes the world and we, we flip it on its head, you know, to look at it completely different. And so when we are at our table with people that look and think and act and love and um, worship differently than we do, man, we are forced to enter into the realness of the gospel. We want to make these pages actually become real. Do I really love my neighbor? Right. You know, do I really? Um, or do I really just love the people who just look like me? Right. You know? And will I be a servant? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Will I, I love by serving? Will I 
not seek to get my own way, but esteem others more important yes. than myself, yes. right? That That's that flip that happens. Yes. Instead of, here's what I want, here's what I think needs to yeah. be done. It's like, what do you need? Yeah, and, and even to take disarming. that one step further, I think it was Greg Boyle who said, uh, we want to, I'm going to mess this up, but it was something in the lane of, uh, we don't want to be judged by our willingness to serve those on the margins, but to see ourselves in kinship with them. Mm. And so serving is awesome. Um, listening is an amazing act of service. You know, right. hospitality is such a beautiful act of service. And, and having people in your home, um, service produces joy. Um, it produces fulfillment. Um, service is awesome, right? We want to live mm -hmm. lives of great, great service. But at some point, we want to go past service to knowing, you know, mm -hmm. and being in community and, and, mm -hmm. and being in that That's circle okay. of, of compassion that we're talking about. Yeah. Because it's when we get into that circle that real, real change happens. Yeah, family. Yes, because now it's not me and them. Now it's us. Yeah. You know, now you got church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Man. I love that. Yeah, man. Yeah. That is so, yeah. so good. Uh huh. We're going to end on this one because that was that was dynamite there. I had a proverb I wanted to share. It says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due. When it is in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Amen. Right? Whatever you have that you can use to engage, to befriend, and to become that family, these people make it happen yeah. right and, and let's tear apart the system that's trying to tear us apart mm -hmm. right let, let, let's stop this faction oh i'm republican i'm democrat there's there's evils on both sides and i don't trust the party to do what people are supposed to do mm -hmm. right and, and so yeah it's gonna be you know def definitely involve politics in different ways but listen to what's happening to the people who are around you and live in that relational way. It's so important. Amen. Man, would you close us in prayer? I Jason? would. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for what you're doing in our world. May you continue to break our hearts for the things that break your hearts, God. Um, in Ephesians, uh, you talked about that our lives would be, um, our eyes would be illuminated, that they'd literally be opened. And so, God, may you open our eyes, all of us, God, to the things that your Holy Spirit is doing. Uh, we ask, God, that um, uh, that you continue to bless Pastor Sam and the leadership here at Genesis. God, we pray that this church's best days are ahead. Um, we pray over uh, protection, God, over things like coronavirus, um, that you would protect this group of people. And, Lord, um, we're just so grateful that we get to have these conversations. Um, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, yeah, love you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.